Welcome to the Sadler Lectures podcast. Responding to popular demand, I'm converting my philosophy videos into sound files you can listen to anywhere you can take an MP3. If you like what you hear and want to support my work, go to patreon.com sadler. I hope you enjoy this lecture. One important and helpful clarifying discussion that takes place in the article Corporate Governance and Ethics of Feminist Perspective is about how the ethics of care would impinge upon and perhaps complement more traditional masculine associated theories uh, that focus on justice and also focus on rights. And the idea is that an ethics of care isn't going to simply dismiss rights or dismiss discussions of justice, but is going to allow a better understanding of these that will also be more effective in protecting and recognizing people's rights. Now, as the authors point out, the ethics of care in its origins, you know, we're talking about 60s, 70s, 80s, it was originally rather suspicious of what was viewed as as masculine-derived discourses about justice justice and rights. And, and, you know, there was a contrast between an ethics of care and an ethics of justice. And there was suspicion about rights understood in a very individualistic way. So there, there was some contrast being raised at the time. But then quite quickly, feminists were also saying, well, we don't want to get rid of rights altogether because women, in fact, need their rights to be recognized and respected, particularly in the world. Workplace. So they need their rights acknowledged and protected. And the history of feminism, as the authors are pointing out, is tantamount to the struggle for women's rights and emancipation. Emancipation would mean being treated as an equal, right? So one person, Brennan, argues feminists have claimed it's the individualism and abstraction linked with talks of rights and responsibility, which is problematic, not the concept of rights and responsibility themselves. So then if that's the case, how would rights be reevaluated and reconceptualized? Well, there's a really great article by Annette Beyer, The Need for More Than Justice, that was uh, really central in the ethics of care and feminist ethics that gets brought up here. And as the summary goes, Beyer argues that traditional rights theories has a number of weaknesses, especially relating to its conceptualization of rights governing relationships between equals. So what does that mean? Well, the traditional conception of rights is that I simply have my rights and you have your rights and they're inherent in us and they exist in us sort of as individuals, whether you and I are connected in any sort of way and our rights are equal so that you're you know, on the same level as I am. And that's very often not the case in real life relationships. We do have rights, but the rights take place across power differentials. What are power differentials? It's when we're not on the same level and when our rights might not be respected or recognized in the same way. So Bayer points out examples of relationships where power is unequally distributed. Great example of this, parents and children. Another 
doctors and patients, another states and citizens, and within a business context, what might we imagine? Well, think about reporting structures, right? If you report to somebody, there is a power differential right there because they can write you up, right? And, and they're the ones who tell you what to do. And they're the ones who apply the criteria for whether you're doing your job right or not. There could be all sorts of power differentials as well. This is painfully aware to you whenever you need to call customer service for a product that's not working. There's a power differential between say a company and and a consumer. Or there may be power differentials as well. You know, think about small business between one small business supplier and another small business who, who's using their products. There's all sorts of ways in which power can be unevenly distributed. Some of it can even be contextual. For example, you make some sort of a screw up or you're perceived to do so. You get called into HR. Suddenly you're in somebody's office. You're sweating. You're not quite sure whether you're in trouble or not, right? There's a power differential there isn't there? When somebody's training somebody else, there's a power differential. So all of these are important situations. Now, according to Bayer and ethics of care, it would be needed. Why? So that rights then are placed into relational contexts and they're not understood as simply these abstractions that we have. So rights are not gotten rid of, but they're reconceptualized. Another theorist, Ruddick, talks about, and she's focusing primarily in her article on situations in which agencies have to intervene, for example, in crime, abuse, things like that. She talks about the full com complex of needs that families serve. She says, moralists intervene in the name of justice to impose fairness or forbid assault. Forbidding assault is protecting rights. Producing justice, that's another way of enforcing rights. But they're going to be more effective if they do so within a certain context that is is furthered by the ethics of care. So she advocates, for example, engaging the moral agency of those they seek to change or protect if they govern their intervention by the ideals of humility and mutuality associated with care. So how might this actually play itself out? There needs to be some sort of connection, some sort of involvement. You see this very often in other professional contexts like good policing or good social work intervention. You treat the other person not just as a bearer of rights or as an individual within a system in which things have to be allocated fairly, but as somebody in relationships. You say to them, for example, okay, I understand that you're imposing force on this person. Is that really what you want just to be a tyrant who is, you know, imposing their will? You want to have your viewpoint respected, don't you? You're really, you know, undercutting yourself by imposing force on this person and essentially terrorizing them. You're not going to get what it is that you want from them. And, and you know, you might say, well, you're, you know, you're not treating the victim right then and you're coddling the aggressor. Well, you can also do the same thing with the victim. You can say, don't you want something more than this? You, you probably are going to need to, you know, be more assertive on your part and we'll give you support to do that. Now think about how this might play out, for example, in instances of workplace harassment and bullying. The ethics of care, you know, would say we need more than just simply imposing the rules or carrying out some sort of abstract reasoning. We need to reach these people as people. So the upshot of 
this, as they summarize, is that feminist ethicists want to flesh out the context of rights. They want to make rights more robust and substantial by introducing tenets of a care perspective. What are those tenets? Relationships with concrete others, not just treating people as abstractions or as tokens, but really, you know, focusing on relationships. The practice of responsibility on the part of the agent and on the part of everybody else involved, including responsibility to self so that you don't burn out, and the notion of empowerment through care in unequal relationships. The idea of the ethics of care is not to simply introduce a kind of new dependency where now you are, you know, helping everybody all the time or supporting people all the time or on call for those people all the time. You ultimately want to help foster them so that they can stand up for their own rights and enforce that and then go on and do that for other people as well. Now, all of this has a lot of implications for what business ethics would say about what goes on within companies, you know, whether they're, they're large corporations or small companies and relations between companies and their stakeholders. Special thanks to all of my Patreon supporters for making this podcast possible. You can find me on Twitter at Philosopher70, on YouTube at the Gregory B. Sadler channel, and on Facebook on the Gregory B. Sadler page. Once again, to support my work, go to patreon.com Sadler. Above all, keep studying these great philosophical works.